So I, I gave a preamble a little earlier to, uh, while we were waiting to start. And uh, we're le reading from the 11th canto, Krishna is speaking to Uddhava. You might remember the circumstances that Krishna was getting to, ready to leave the planet and getting ready to leave the universe. And um, Uddhava met him in a lonely forest. And the Lord was uh, leaning against a, a young banyan tree, indicating the uh, size of this universe, which is a small universe. And um, Uddhava is described as leaning in to listen to the Lord's instructions to him. He has uh, one shoulder down and an ear turned towards the Lord. And there's a list. Sorry, no shoes. They're all in here. Ha ha. Um, they're <laughs> so uh, it's a very intimate um, setting. It's the two of them. And this, the, the Lord wants Uddhava to stay in the world, actually, because he's leaving, and he wants him to go to Bhattarik Ashram. There's some devotees there that hadn't heard the intimate details of devotional service. And so, essentially, Krishna's telling uh, Uddhava everything, yeah, giving him the, the re-speaking the Bhagavad Gita, which you know, we can recognize as we hear some of this, and then he says a lot more uh, to Uddhava. This particular chapter that we're reading uh, is about the existential situation of the uh, living entities in the material world. And this verse, as you'll recognize right away, I'll reread the verse. <clears throat> the Supreme Personality of God had said, O Uddhava, a saintly person is merciful and never injures others. Even if others are aggressive, he is tolerant and forgiving toward all living entities. His strength and meaning in life come from the truth itself. He is free from all envy and jealousy, and his mind is equal in material happiness and distress. Thus, he dedicates his time to work for the welfare of all others. His intelligence is never bewildered by material desires, and he has controlled his senses. His, his behavior is always pleasing, never harsh, and always exemplary, and he is free from possessiveness. He never endeavors in ordinary worldly activities, and he strictly controls his eating. He therefore always remains peaceful and steady. A saintly person is thoughtful and accepts me as his only shelter. Such a person is very cautious in the execution of his duties and is never subject to superficial transformations because he is steady and noble, even in a distressing situation. He has conquered over the six material qualities, namely hunger, thirst, lamentation, illusion, old age, and death. He is free from all desire for prestige and offers honor to others. He is expert in reviving the Krishna consciousness of others and therefore never cheats anyone. Rather, he is a well-wishing friend to all. 
Being most merciful, such a saintly person must be considered the most learned of men. He perfectly understands that the ordinary religious duties prescribed by me in various Vedic scriptures possess favorable qualities that purify the performer, and he knows that neglect of such duties constitutes a discrepancy in one's life. Having taken complete shelter at my lotus feet, however, a saintly person ultimately renounces such ordinary religious duties and worships me alone. He is thus considered to be the best among all living entities. And just before I go into the purport, I just, uh, <clears throat> you don't have to give commentary unless you want to, but uh, if there's anything that struck your ear out of this um, combination of verses, any of the qualities that you heard that you noted. Yes, Abukarven and then Sharanagata. Strength and meaning in life comes from the truth itself. <laughs> Why'd you like that? Um, like it's, it's so much, um, it's such a loaded statement, but that is such a, uh, like if we follow the truth, it's not easy in this world. And so I like that. Yeah. I like that the, there the are mic. so many qualities mentioned and so many qualities are mentioned and after that it is written that like uh, duties, I mean you should not, you should continue doing your uh, material duty also I mean they are uh, they will purify you and uh, if you don't do it properly then there are a kind of consequences so we get attracted towards uh, sometimes so much spiritual that we try to give up everything like you know material duties so that part I it's really uh, catched my eyes that I mean years that uh, it's it's I, I like that one nice well the simple trick uh, offered by Krishna in the 18th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita is that whatever particular duty you have because of the body you have because and you have the body because of the modes you've acquired in your past life then uh, all you have to do is make sure you connect that to the Supreme Lord in other words do your work but make sure that you're doing it to please Krishna uh, rather than just doing it for yourself and then it becomes spiritualized any others that you heard that struck your ear? Yes. Such a person is very cautious in the execution of his duties and is never subject to superficial transformations because he is steady and noble even in a distressing situation. And why did that particularly catch your ear? Well, uh, this point of being extremely cautious in the execution of, of our duties. Yeah. I was having a music lesson earlier, and then I was looking at two different scales, and they sound very different. They have a different effect, but the only difference is one note. And I was thinking afterwards and talking to my music teacher about how it's uh, every little thing counts. It's one who's not cautious, who just thinks life's for wanton living, may uh, not catch that subtlety, but those who are devotees and who know that things matter. Uh, what we do in life matters, what we look at, what we hear, the kinds of intentions we have, everything matters. In fact, uh, in the Yoga Sutras commentary by Vyas, there's a, a statement about how yogis are especially careful about 
Hladini samskars. Hladini means pleasure, and samskar means an impression that's left in the mind. So there's a way in which that they're careful because if they enjoy something in the material world, they just let themselves go. Then, of course, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, yehi sam sparsha bhoga that it's the cause of misery, or as he puts it poetically, metaphorically, the womb of misery. Little Duki lives in the womb and comes out by our contact of, uh, we contemplate the material energy, we get faked out by it, we try to embrace it, and then little Duki comes and little dookie won't go away. And, and that's the point about the Vladini samskars is once they're there, they're very difficult to get rid of. Life after life, they may show back up again and say, remember, remember you touched this? You want to touch it again? And um, <clears throat> he says, they're as sensitive as an eyeball. It's like, what does that mean? It means, uh, the commentary goes on to say that the eyeball is so sensitive that even if a tiny little piece of dust gets in there, then you'll be disturbed. That's how sensitive. So that's how sensitive yogis are to how they interact with the world because they know that there, there is some implication from it. Of course, there's more to be said about that because as Prabhupada points out, bhakti yogis, unlike jnanis, and those who are trying to give up the world, walk the path of engaging everything in Krishna's service. And therefore, they uh, can come closer to the world than other people. In fact, they integrate themselves with it because their intention is different. They're seeing everything in the universe as paraphernalia to be used by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and including even the most entangling of circumstances, as mentioned in the Bhagavatam, of the uh, combination of male and female, uh, family life, and so forth, is <clears throat> when uh, offered to Krishna becomes a source of liberation and purification. So <clears throat> that's how those. In the first cant, in the tenth canto, second chapter of the Bhagavatam, in describing how the Devaki was uh, fearful day and night that Kamsa was going to kill her eighth child, who would appear in the world, she, uh, in the process of being afraid, she burned up any last attachments to the material world. So, Prabhupada commenting on. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentary says that this is the attitude of a devotee that he or she is slightly afraid of the material world. I said slightly because somebody becomes neurotic about it and um, then starts becoming antisocial or restrictive in how he or she moves in the world. Then they person may have missed the point. But um, the fact is that if somebody's uh, offering everything to Krishna, then through yukta-vairagya, 
he or she is not uh, bound by the interactions of the of the material world. But uh, one should be afraid that at any time one could slip into the material gears. Prahlad Maharaj says they're like a big wheel, uh, that uh, like two big wheels, nishpijamanam upakarsha vipo prapanam, and like big gears, the material world. And if uh, in his prayers to Lord Nishingadev, he he had stated that um, Lord Nishingadev's roaring was so uh, ferocious and loud, fearsome, that there were entities everywhere. Uh, fleeing, including elephants. Elephants heard the, the, the roar and, and in different parts of the universe they were running away for cover. So he describes this scene of the roar and then the pandemonium afterwards. And then he says to Lord Nishingadev, does Prahlad, that I'm not afraid of you. Everybody else is afraid of you, but I'm not afraid of you. What I'm afraid of is your Vishnu Maya, and because it's uh, it's so bewildering, even to the to the devas, very highly advanced people, and the Bhagavatam says, don't ever think that you're liberated, and because if you think you're entitled and liberated, then that's exactly the time when Maya will seduce you, and then you'll be caught in the gears again. So that fear is a healthy fear that I, I'm, I don't feel entitled. So the first symptom of somebody who's about to fall into the material energy again, which is that it's okay, I'm liberated. And then that, that is a dangerous situation. One should think I'm not liberated, I can't take liberties to um, dally with Maya. Don't dally. Dallying is very dangerous. Okay, is there one or two more before I read the purport? It's a long journey. It's like taking a 15-hour flight when we read this purport. So we're just boarding right now and taking the last couple comments before we, the plane takes off. Everyone's fastened their safety belts. Did you have a comment? No. Anybody else? Yes. The sentence, there's a second part to it. It says, is never subject to superficial transformations because he is steady and noble even in a distressing situation. I was just thinking of the story of the Advanti Brahmana and those prayers they start off with describing the situation in which he was put in. But then in his prayers he describes how actually I'm completely different from all of these things. I have nothing to do with it. I'm not associated with it. The only thing that's causing me distress is my mind's involvement with the material energy. Therefore I'm developing a perception of how things are, but I really have nothing to do with it. And then he ends with a tamsahashtai paramanishtam. Nice. Yes, and the Avanti Brahman philosophizes that so much by, one, in one statement he says, thinking of all the miseries that are coming upon him because as a wealthy landowner he had been stingy. He didn't do uh, proper charity, give proper, uh, a charity, 
abundantly. He, he held back. He also, uh, through his miserliness, irritated the devas. And gradually his uh, wealth dried up. And, however, when he became poor and is uh, estranged from his family because of his miserliness, I don't think being poor helped either. Then uh, there was a little spark in his heart. Interestingly, it's mentioned in this story of the Avanti Brahmana that because once when he was doing some yagya for a material gain, he had also had an intention that, uh, to serve the Lord. It, it was just a fleeting idea, but Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Neha bhikramanashusti pratyavayona vidyate svalpam apyasadharmasya trayate mahatobayat. How small? Suolpam, really, really small. If one has some intention or does some service to the Lord, then that becomes uh, like uh, as if there's an atomic reaction. It's just one little atom. How bad could it be? And then when it's split, there's a reaction. So Krishna notices these subtleties in the, uh, the heart of the living entity. As mentioned in Gajendra also, Gajendra... Was, uh, was are these sound effects for like that was Gajendra imitating an elephant? If you if you're all doing that for that, I, I think you're <laughs> doing quite well. Um, the, Gajendra is uh, praying to the Lord and mentions that actually I'm praying now, but you've always been there listening. It's not that when I start my prayers, that's when you start listening. He said, you're always attentive. You're never a loss. You're never lazy about my welfare. You've always been there. You always will be. You're listening and tuned in to what is my mood right now. And if a living entity somewhere has this uh, intention and does some service for the Lord, then he never forgets it. It's one of his qualities. And so that happened to the Vanti Brahmana, and that, that small incident turned into, uh, it was a seed that started to grow, and he developed this, this determination, which is indicated in the famous verse that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu liked so much and that Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur had passed on to his uh, renunciates. Itam saastaya parahmanishtam adhyasitam purvatamaya maharshibi hamturishami durantaparam tamomukundangri nashevayaiva. I shall cross over the insurmountable ocean of material existence by being firmly fixed in the service of the lotus feet of Krishna. This is approved by the previous acharyas, acharyas who are fixed in firm devotion to the Lord Paramatma, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu liked this story because he appreciated the determination of the Avanti Brahmana. And so after he had left home, the Avanti Brahmana was uh, considered uh, a, uh, an outcast. He was an outcast and he was, he was considered to be a hypocrite because he had been a rich man. 
And then uh, everybody knew he was miserly and everybody knew he'd lost his money. And now he had uh, taken to this, renoun in this renounced mood in life. I've actually seen this before. Had a very, very, very dear uh, devotee who um, unfortunately left his body a couple of years ago. And he had been uh, a wealthy businessman and uh, successful. And then he became interested in Krishna consciousness. I'm leaving out a couple of steps, just the main ones. And I uh, saw that his family became, uh, they sort of just considered him uh, to be, um, that, that he had lost his mind, basically. And also, uh, yeah, they berated him for taking to the path of Krishna consciousness. But he was so determined. Uh, and the contrast between him and his family and the way they acted towards him and Krishna consciousness was uh, stark. In any case, the Avanti Brahmana uh, went out uh, wandering, depending on the Lord. But wherever he went, people harassed him. They would throw things at him. They would urinate on him. Sometimes they'd bind him. Sometimes if he was about to take some food, they would steal it from him, mocking him wherever he went. Have anybody, any of you ever had any of these things happen to you? No? Yes? Well, if you haven't, then you're doing better than maybe you thought. <laughs> after all that, maybe whatever you're going through isn't so bad after all. <laughs> yeah, they would, they would uh, ridicule him. they say, oh, look how peaceful he is, just like a duck. Uh, they just uh, dug into him. And, you know, some places they hurt him, actually. And in considering why this was happening to him, he's... He said uh, <clears throat> that if you bite your own tongue, who can you blame? Have you ever had that happen? Please say yes. Otherwise, I'll feel really bad because I do it all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> you bite your own tongue. And who are you going to yell at? Your spouse? Like, ah! You know, like, what are you talking to me for? Uh, you bit your own tongue. <clears throat> so... The idea is that whatever we have at the present time, in fact, the Bhagavatam says, we were just discussing this earlier, Bhagavatam says that a learned person, spiritually awake person, doesn't uh, criticize or blame anyone because that person sees that the universe is acting in a uniform way. That means like everything... We're having a door. Oh. Thank you. Okay. That um, everything, everyone's exactly where they should be. It's all being arranged by Krishna. So whatever situation I'm in now, this is a sum total of everything I've done. And there's a perfect arrangement for me now. So if you don't like what you're being subjected to, change the subject because it's it's 
it is we who are the enemy. Wasn't that a Pogo cartoon? I've seen the enemy, and the enemy is me. And so <laughs> there's, there's a, a sense of, of uh, <coughs> recognizing that uh, everything's in perfect order. And that's good news because it means that I have recourse, which is to change myself and to change my attitude and so forth. So that's important because uh, these qualities that we're about to, to read about in the purport, if I ever stop talking, uh, you know, indicate uh, the, the development one who has developed the qualities which are uh, non-reactive in the material world. Uh, this is the, these are the qualities of a liberated soul. So with that, I'm going to read the purport. Verses 29 through 31 describe 28 qualities of a saintly person. And verse 32 explains the highest perfection of life. According to Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, the 17th quality, much Sharana, or taking complete shelter of Lord Krishna is the most important, and the other 27 qualities automatically appear in one who has become a pure devotee of the Lord. As stated in Srimad Bhagavatam 5.18.12, Yasyasti bhaktir bhagavatiya kinshana sarvargunais tatra sabhasate sura. The 28 saintly qualities may be described as follows. 1. Kripalu. What's the first one? A devotee cannot tolerate seeing the world merged in ignorance and suffering the whiplashes of maya. Therefore, he busily engages in distributing Krishna consciousness and is called kripalu, or merciful. So this is uh, the first quality of a highly developed person is to have compassion in the Bhagavad Gita Krishna says Atmao Pam Yena Sarvatra Samam Pashiti Arjuna Sukham Vayarivadu Kamsa Yogi Parama Paramo Mataha that the Parama Yogi, the topmost of yogis, is one who's developed empathy. Pathi means to feel and M means inside. So one's able to commiserate or to feel what's in others' hearts. He or she has been through uh, pain, suffering, uh, fleeting joy, and then uh, recognizes what others are going through, so actually feels what's in them, empathy. And so Krishna says, atmao pam yena sarvatra, that uh, the, the advanced person develops this sense of empathy for others. And Samam Pashiti Yorjuna, he, he sees himself or herself as uh, the same with other people. That uh, we're, we're for, you know, the colloquialism, okay, we're all in the same boat. We're, we're, we're in the same situation. We're all going through it together. Samam Pashiti Yorjuna, Sukham Vayarivadu, come. Whether they are apparently happy or distressed, uh, I recognize that. Uh, I've been through that cycle myself. And so uh, 
that yogi, that's the best yogi, the one who's developed this, this sense of feeling for others. And therefore, as in this purport, Kripalu means that uh, one wants to do something about it. I want to help other people. Uh, Prahlad Maharaj, in his uh, prayers to Lord Nishringadev, says, there's some yogis that uh, head for the hills. They're concerned, says Prahlad, only with their own development. If they're making spiritual advancement by going to a secluded place and doing mantras and yantras and prayers and taking bath three times a day, then they're satisfied. He said, I'm not satisfied doing this. I'm not going to the hills. I'm going to go to the big city. In fact, give me the biggest one possible because that's where the people are bottom. Uh, they're burdened by maya. And therefore, I want to help. And that's, that's the mood of somebody who's developed spiritually. They have compassion for others and they want to help them. So what's the first one? Kripalu, yeah. Number two, akrita doha. Excuse me, akrita droha. Even if someone is offensive toward a devotee, a devotee does not become offensive in return. I'll read that sentence again. You can get a tattoo if you need it. Even if someone is offensive toward a devotee, a devotee does not become offensive in return. Indeed, he never acts against the interest of any living entity. One may argue that great Vaishnav kings such as Maharaj Yudhishthira and Parikshit Maharaj executed many criminals. However, when justice is properly administered by the state, sinful, destructive persons actually benefit from their punishment because they become freed from the severe karmic reactions to their illicit activities. A Vaishnav ruler gives punishment not out of envy or malice, but in faithful obedience to the laws of God. I'll read that again. A Vaishnav ruler gives punishment not out of envy or malice, but in faithful obedience to the laws of God. The Mayavadi philosophers who want to kill God by imagining that he does not exist are certainly krita droha, or most injurious to themselves and others. The impersonalist imagines that he himself is supreme and thus creates a most danger, dangerous situation for himself and his followers. Similarly, the karmis who are dedicated to material sense gratification are also killers of the self because of, by their absorption in material consciousness they lose all chance of experiencing the absolute truth and the truth of their own self. Therefore, all living entities who come under the control of materialistic regulations and duties are unnecessarily harassing themselves and others. And if pure Vaishnava feels great compassion and concern for them, a devotee never uses his mind, body, or words to perform any act harmful to the welfare of any living entity. So the second is called Akrita Droha. Even if someone is offensive toward a devotee, a devotee does not become offensive in return. Where have you heard that in the Gita? Twelfth chapter. Twelfth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna gives the qualities in a devotee that 
that endear the devotee to him. So this, we, we talked the other day on Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur's appearance day that one of his admonitions was that don't try to see God. Try to act in such a way that God will want to see you. So then one might say, well, what should I do? How should I, how should I act in such a way that God will want to see me? So Krishna tells about that in the Bhagavad Gita. And one of the points he makes is that the devotee, as in proper paraphrase of what Krishna is saying, does not become his enemy's enemy. Someone becomes my enemy, how do I know why exactly? Of course, maybe I do know why, but maybe I don't also. It just uh, went sideways, and the person now is my enemy. Well, congratulations, you've got a new enemy in life. So what do you do now? Don't become your enemy's enemy. And when people are offensive towards you, don't react. One of the um, thoughts I've been having over the last couple of years about <coughs> progress in life through communication and interaction, enlightened interactions with others, I aspire to that, I must say, is that don't make ultimatums. Because as soon as you make an ultimatum, then you've painted yourself into a corner. And from that idea was born an, uh, another witticism. I hope it's witty. Well, it's not witty, witty actually. It's just um, practical. And that is that workarounds bring turnarounds. If you stay in and you don't try to uh, make ultimatums, uh, when, for instance, somebody offends you, have you ever thought to yourself, okay, that's it. I'm never talking to that person again. Oh, good. I'm glad a few of you feel that way because that comes to my mind all the time. However, because I'm fortified with this idea that don't make ultimatums and stay in and find a workaround instead. Of course, the Bhagavatam recommends that if somebody is inimical towards Krishna and you're a representative of Krishna, then it's actually your duty to disassociate yourself with the person. But you'll find, if you read that purport from the verse, Ishvare Tardineshu Balisheshu Dusatsucha Prema Maitri Kripopiksha Yakaroti Samadhyamaha. This is the order of conduct of the Madhyama Adhikarya, the preacher devotee, that for those, he sees four entities. He sees Krishna, he sees Krishna's devotees. He sees those who are innocent, they're Bali, Bali Sheshu, they're like innocent like children. And then he sees the envious. People just don't like God at all. Policeman in Penn Station told me once, because I came back after he kicked me out of the station, I went back and distribute, and then he really got angry. I won't go into the details about what he did. See? Uh, but <laughs> God, God's also recommending this. That... <laughs> But, but I did tell you what he did say, and I know you won't believe me when I say what he said, or you might not, <clears throat> but he actually said it. He's, he said, you go back, because I said, we're just trying to serve God here, and he said, you go back and you tell your Swami guru or yogi or whatever it is that we hate God here. He said that to me. Uh, so <clears throat> there's a way in which... Um, uh, some people are envious, but uh, when they are, we should um, not engage them. 
It's okay in the dark. We have a little uh, bakta in here too. It is? Oh, okay, better with the light. I forgot we're filming. There's a bat that lives in here. He likes the dark. Don't be alarmed. He's a bhakta. You'll see him come out when the hubby starts his kirtan. He starts fl <laughs> flying around uh, having mosquito shot him. So, <laughs> so anyway, he says uh, this important point. Jiva Goswami says that even though you avoid these people who are envious, because if, if you engage them, you, you try to uh, pursue them, when you've already detected their sense of uh, disdain for, for God, for Krishna, then they become uh, more vitriolic and envious. And therefore, he says, then you should do be upeksha. You should um, be indifferent to them. You move back. But, he says, that doesn't mean the devotee doesn't maintain the mood of atmalpamyena sarvatra, of having compassion for them, because Jiva Goswami says, even though you disengage with them, you should still pray for them. And you should also pray for a, a, a means to deliver them at some point. So the compassion is still there. And then <clears throat> for those who are innocent, you pour in as much mercy as possible. And f f um, <clears throat> for the devotees, you should make friends. And for, for Krishna, for God, you should develop prema or love. So the, these are the, the ways of the, of the devotee who moves in the world in, in, the, in, the, in the mood of what? Kripalu. Trying to, to serve others by giving them Krishna consciousness. Uh, so, well, my point was about there, there are many uh, nuances to this uh, instruction about not becoming your enemy's enemy. And uh, one of them, as I was saying, that I thought of is at uh, 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 least I find it practical is not to make ultimatums and uh, to uh, always try to find a, a, a workaround when dealing with, with people. And um, also uh, tolerating that there may be somebody that doesn't like me. I, know, I don't know about you, but that's hard, hard to handle sometimes. It's like, well, how come they don't like me? I'm going to make them like me. Uh, <laughs> well, that's not right. How can they, anybody not like me? And the, you know, the, the ego comes in and it becomes very difficult to have an enemy. Like, what did I ever do to you? Kind of thing. Javi Prabhu? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so th th this is, uh, the second one is called Akrita Droha. Don't become don't be offensive in return uh, if somebody becomes offensive to you. Possible? How would you do it? It's difficult, though. Well, yes, Chakadola. By thinking that whatever I am getting, it is due to my karma. That's a lot of fast thinking, isn't it? When somebody clips you. I saw these two guys a long time ago in O'Hare Airport. We used to live in there. And then, you know, one was going this way and the other goes that way. This is how old it was. They were carrying briefcases. People don't carry those anymore. 
but they're carrying them and they weren't watching where they were going and just a little clip but it was clip clip you know one was walking this way the other one and they both turned at the same time and berated the other one i was watching the scenes like you idiot man well you're a double idiot <laughs> and so there's you know for those who don't uh practice this they're loaded up ready to go at everybody especially nowadays uh there's a an author a, a while back who wrote a book about how there there would be pandemics that would spread throughout the world and it wasn't a science fiction she was just talking about how maybe it was i didn't read the book but it was it was predictive in any case they had her uh, on an interview after the pandemic was raging and she said they were saying what's going to happen now because <laughs> she predicted that she said now the world will get to see what unmitigated rage looks like in the population and so now you know we're starting to see people are frustrated i didn't get the you know what i wanted and this is the, not what i signed up for is the heat's turned up a little bit so everyone gets a little disturbed and on the airlines it is a real problem people are getting on the airlines and uh, just uh, misbehaving misbehaving towards the flight attendants poor flight attendants they got to fly under pressure all the time and then they have people who don't even know them just uh, treating them as if they're the worst person who ever lived and this is because in their lives you know they wake up late they miss mangal artik they don't get to see shishi radha sham and balaram krishna balaram and gornitai and hear govindam adipursham and get 20 garlands before they walk to the gate and uh, you know someone handed mahaprasad did you get one of these who are you doesn't matter hari krishna and you know they don't have that they don't have any sense control because nobody's talking about it even from an early age kids just um, basically get whatever they want and they get spoiled they don't learn values and then they get entangled in the material world and they're loaded up uh, just uh, with this sense of entitlement and ready well, i'm very generalizing i'm sure there's some people out there that are getting some uh, uh, some training i'm sure parents are trying but they the the general environment is is not helpful there's not much training not much ashram life and the uh, kids are pressured they get information from all different directions from social media and everywhere else and frankly it's become quite crass and uh, and uh, blatantly materialistic and so that has an effect on the heart so when when somebody uh, taunts you or is offensive towards you then what people see what kids see is what you do is you you fight back immediately and so this this has become prevalent around the world at least i've noticed it in my lifetime it's become more of the norm for people just to f f uh, fight with one another influenced by the lower modes of material nature so it, one has to practice being in the mode of goodness it has to culture the mode of goodness because one year actually it was in 2000 and 21 was that the year of the not 21 um yeah what was the year uh 2001 
that was when uh, the planes hit the building, 9-11. Yeah, nobody was on the plane. I got on the flight a few days after. On the, I got on the 17th. I took a flight on the 17th. Your cooler remembers everything. So uh, I got on the flight on the 17th, and it was, the flight was empty because nobody wanted to fly. And I came to Vrindavan, and I stayed in the Goshala. And um, in the morning, I'd get up early, and I'd put a chair out with all the cows, and I'd chant my japa with the cows. And I learned a lot watching the cows. So it was really funny because sometimes a cow would, one cow, when they're eating, sometimes they get a little, for just a half a second, they're like, hey, wait a minute, this is my side. And, you know, one would swing and kind of hit the other one to, like, you know, stay over on your, stay in your lane. <laughs> I'm eating over here. <laughs> and, and it hit them hard, you know, because cows are strong and they have big horns and like, boom. And, and then the other one would look up like, did you just hit me? And then, and then go like, that's nah, all right, no problem. <laughs> and they, and they, keep, they keep taking the grass. Whereas then, if we go on, we go on Parikram over at Govardhan Hill, and I watch the monkeys. They're in the mode of passion and ignorance. And you, know, you just look at them the wrong way. It's like, they're looking down at me, and I look at the, hey, you looking at me? Did you just look at me? I saw you look at me. And they're like, you know. <laughs> they immediately become agitated. And these are all the modes of nature. The cows are in the mode of goodness, and the... The monkeys are in the mode of passion and ignorance. And when, what do you expect? When people get conditioned by the lower modes of nature, they're going to react when someone says, you idiot. And then it's, ah, you can't talk to me that way. Uh, whereas uh, if somebody's culturing goodness and they're feeling uh, this uh, sukha or open space in their mind and body, that's what sukha means actually. Sukha, ka means space and su means good or expansive. So when we've created a little space, a good space in our minds by the, uh, culturing the mode of goodness and, uh, and disciplining our tongue, another practical uh, thought I've had recently, these are all for myself, but I'm just talking about them. So one is uh, say 30% 30, 30 less of what uh, you have in your mind. For instance, uh, um, there's things that come up that I want to say, and then I'll think, no, say 30% less of what, what's in my mind. And then I, I cut back by 30%, and I feel much better. Because then all of a sudden I realize, I didn't have to say that. It, 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 it was of no consequence, and it just floats off into nothing. And there was no reaction, because I didn't say it. So in this, the, these are... Um, uh, <clears throat> prescriptions given in, in, for instance, the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 17, where Krishna says, practice with your speech. Practice speaking truthfully. Try that one for a day. Someone asks you, and you, instead of saying three, which is a lie, you actually did two. Or, you know, you said, uh, uh, you know, I took five, but you actually took ten. Uh, so, whatever it is, you try just saying that, the naked truth, uh, but and also try to be pleasing, beneficial, avoiding speech that offends, and so forth. That Krishna recommends this. 
of austerities of, the, of speech. And so if somebody's in a lifestyle like that, then it's possible that when somebody offends him or her, that that person may uh, then have the, the uh, presence of mind to uh, not react. What do you all think? I was thinking that uh, um, I assume that, that when one becomes advanced also uh, the anger or the rage or the resentment is also spiritualized in the sense that whoever speaks ill about, about Krishna, about your guru, about the devotees, you feel that, you know, at that moment uh, it's justified to feel like that. You don't have to to uh, mm, sublimate. Yes, sublimate or, or strategize as to what what should I do here. And yeah, one becomes sensitive towards because the pride one feels and the love one feels for er anything related to Krishna, then uh, you become intolerant in that sense. Yeah. Uh, it's not that, and this is an, ex, an important point, it's not that we become um, artificially docile and that there aren't issues that concern us to the point of uh, becoming angry. Of course, uh, we hear from Prabhupada that Arjuna, in order to fight effectively on the battlefield, Kurukshetra had to feel some sense of anger. Hanuman uh, was angry, and rightly so, for Ravana stealing Sita. And there's, there's great impetus uh, to jump across an ocean when you're feeling that kind of emotion. And in these cases, we're using anger rather than losing it. And there's a big difference. It's also dangerous because in the process of yukta vairagya or using everything for Krishna, it's possible to be like Gopal Ban. You know Gopal Ban? He was a rascal. So Gopal Ban, his friend said to him, Gopal Ban, you're such a rascal. You never offer anything to Krishna. And he was carrying this big basket of grains to take to his home to put in storage. He was a wealthy land owner. And then a big wind came and it blew the grains high into the sky. It was like a cloud of grains up there. And he goes, I offer that to Krishna. So when, <laughs> see, I told you he was a rascal. So, so in the same way, you know, if we lose our anger and there's a difference between using and losing your anger, if, if you lose your anger based on you're tinged already with the mode of passion, which means that you're attached there's something in it for you that you're not going to get now, and that's why you're mad. And, and then you go, I offer that to, to Govinda. It's, uh, it, well, anyway, we should just be careful because anger 
as Prabhupada writes about in the third canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, is uh, the Rudra principle that burn, actually burns up the whole universe. And we can burn up our lives and everything else with a little misplaced anger. But um, we can't say that uh, devotees don't have these emotions and it can't be artificially sublimated. So it, it, it's, a, it's a fine point. Thanks, Javi Prabhu. Okay, let's read one more. Shall we? Okay, we've got two. And here comes number three. Number three is titikshu. Everyone say. A devotee forgives and forgets any offense against himself. A Vaishnav is personally detached from his material body, which is made of pus, stool, blood, and so on. Therefore, the devotee is able to overlook the obnoxious behavior he sometimes meets with in the course of preaching work and always deals with people as a perfect gentleman. A Vaishnav loudly chants the holy name of the Lord and tolerates and forgives those fallen conditioned souls who are unable to reciprocate properly with a pure devotee. A devotee forgives and forgets any offense against himself. These are overlapping, very similar. Forgiving and forgetting. I heard a saying a while back that things that we should uh, forget. Uh, one is what others have done for, to us and things that we should remember, things that people have done for us. Other things we should forget are things that we've done for others. Don't keep bringing it up. Just do it. Don't say, remember I did that for you? <laughs> and forgiving, uh, perhaps we talked about this recently, but it was a concept I heard from Mahatma Prabhu, um, the great soul, and he talks about uh, uh, forgiveness in seminars. and. One concept, he said, was simultaneous forgiveness. While the offense is being perpetrated, I'm forgiving uh, simultaneously, in real time, as it's happening. And that takes practice, because generally, um, well, I would just say, it's easy to develop a defensive mode and uh, to not forgive people. Of course, this always comes up in the... <coughs> the context of discussing forgiveness, and that is, um, what about due diligence? In other words, what if somebody transgresses? Are we just doormats? Is there a way to get that to, Mukharvinda, uh, to get it to stop crackling? Okay, no problem. Uh, so, um, So here's here's a point about a point about forgiveness, and that is that um, oh yeah, it's your speaker. Oh, but it's maybe this. Okay. My mother taught me that. In this world, 
everything has to be jiggled to get it to work right. She called it the jiggle factor. Doesn't matter what, how pristine it, it was, pristinely it was created, at some point you still have to jiggle it to get it to work. Hey, I think it worked. Bravo. <laughs> so, uh, forgiveness. Why are we forgiving? Forgive for yourself. Because uh, uh, holding on to a grudge is like drinking poison hoping the other person will die. I'll keep drinking the poison and hold the grudge. And will the other person die because I'm drinking poison? No, just I die. And so start by unburdening yourself. Uh, don't carry grudge. You know what a grudge is? You know what it is? It's a fierce little animal. kind of looks like a wolverine. A grudge. You've ever seen them? They roam the world. And some people take them as pets. And they hold them under their... Madhava, you've seen this? A grudge. It's a fierce little animal. And so... What? You've seen a grudge? Looks like a wolverine. People carry them under their arms wherever they go. And it has sharp teeth and claws and they're always uh, dangerous for everybody but some people carry them around so that's why there's an admonition don't carry grudges how do you get rid of them these grudges you take them to the forest edge of the forest and you say okay down little fella you go out and live out there but I'm not carrying you anymore you just have to let them go let the grudges go but this uh, one of the ways uh, devotees practice, but uh, the practice is not so hard because when somebody's chanting Hare Krishna and living a life of happiness, I blew the third line, so I'm going to do it again. Yet pada punkacha palasa vilasya bhakta karmashrayam gratitam udgratayanti santa tadvanna rikta matayo yatayo pirudha shrotoganas tamaranam bhajavasudeva. So this verse describes how devotees have an advantage because of the beauty of Krishna. This is our advantage. And this is actually the main feature that uh, makes our lives worth, worth living as devotees and why we do everything that we do is because of the beauty of Krishna. We're, we're, we're fascinated by Krishna's beauty. And actually, uh, if we analyze it carefully, everyone's looking for that beauty. It's just that we've found where it all comes from. And so th the verse says that because the devotees are experiencing Krishna's beauty, and poetically it's described there that they're seeing the beauty of his toenails. Like, have you ever uh, gone to, to an artique and you're looking at the deities and then you look down at their lotus feet and you're just sort of startled by how sublime they are? The feet, the lotus feet of Krishna? Has that ever, ever happened? 
Well, the, the, the verse is saying that this is the great inspiration that the devotees get, is the beauty of Krishna's lotus toes. Uh, they're startlingly beautiful. They, they, um, one is taken aback when one sees such beauty. What to speak of Krishna's other features? And they're unlimited. The beauty is deeper and deeper, and there's a feature of the spiritual world that, that Rupa Goswami describes that is wonderment. It's, it's an all-pervasiveness, all-pervasive quality of the spiritual world, wonderment, in that Krishna is always getting more beautiful. Now, in the material world, sometimes it's like you just see someone in a different light. And like, I think, uh, or in your different freedom, frame of mind, and you, and you think, oh, they look beautiful. And then another day you think, well, maybe I, maybe I was a little exuberant. Because <laughs> actually they don't look that great. And you notice something about them, it's like, eh, maybe not so much. <laughs> but with Krishna, it's not like that. It's unabated uh, attraction and beauty. And if you've ever noticed, if you go into the temple, you can sit in front of Krishna Balaram, and if you sit there for three hours and just stare at them, they don't mind. Other people don't like that. Especially in Japan, people don't stare at each other. Although I've caught people looking at me. <laughs> but Krishna doesn't mind because he knows how beautiful he is and that it's good for the soul to see that beauty. In fact, that's what the soul's for. The soul's a little appreciator of beauty. That's what the soul is. That's our job. Appreciate beauty. Drink beauty. That's all you have to do. Forget all the other hard work and, you know, Aruya Krishna Paramhadam, all the difficult hard work of the material world, pounding stakes into railroads and, um, you know, living in a jail cell because you murdered somebody. All that, it, that that's, that's the dark material world. But the light of the spiritual world is Krishna's beauty. And yet, pāda-pankacha palasa vilasya bhakta karmashrayam. So there's this hard knot in the heart that makes us angry. Like, why me? Why, why aren't I, you know, why didn't I get a bigger pension? Why that other guy got a bigger pension? And I, I'm left here as a desperado. Or you could make a list. Everyone's got some list somewhere of all the grievances they have of why they didn't get what they wanted and why, the, why things aren't working out the way they wish they were. And so that hard knot in the heart that causes that resentment, it gets cut because of uh, the beauty of Krishna. And the beauty is in the holy name, it's in the deity, it's in prasadam, it's in the, in the hearts and, and countenances of the pure devotees. It makes us peaceful because that, that knot in the heart gets cut and then uh, it makes a lot of sense to us to not become uh, unnecessarily angry at people or to forgive them also. Besides that, we have a, a, a clearer understanding of how the world works. And that is, as I mentioned earlier, the Bhagavatam says it's it. The material world is working in a uniform way. That means everything's perfectly in place. So, so um, you, you don't have to adjust your television set. It's all the way it's supposed to be right now. Uh, so all you have to do really is improve yourself 
And that means by uh, strengthening your relationship with Krishna. On the other hand, the verse goes on to say that karmashrayam gratitam udgratayanti santa tadvanda rikta matayo ratayo pirudha. I've got one word wrong in that third line. If you could look it up, I'd appreciate it. Yatayo pirudha. That means that there are yogis that try to restrain themselves. They hold back the tide of material sense impulse, like anger, resentment, envy, lust, uh, by disciplining themselves in a military way. It's a military practice. They declare war, war on their senses. But then at a certain point it breaks and it all comes crashing down and they, they can't hold it. Why? Because they don't have that sense of wonderment for Krishna and, and how beautiful he is. Like even the Bhagavad Gita, as a, as a book, it's stunningly beautiful because it's so brilliant. There's not one word out of place and one concept out of place and to, to uh, make the intellect feel happy. If you read the Bhagavad Gita, you'll feel happy that there is such a philosophy on the planet. And then when somebody berates you or uh, it's like, it's okay, I don't even mind because I got the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> because you feel satisfied by the, the beauty of Krishna's words. That's what, that's what the uh, life of devotional service is. And therefore, we hear verses like Vasudevi Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Priyojita that when you perform devotional service to Krishna, which means going to see him and uh, just saying, Hare Krishna, and, and, and appreciating, then, then naturally you feel this sense of detachment from anger and envy. And it, it just starts to slough off, or as it's described uh, metaphorically in that verse, karmashrayam uh, gratitam, it's cut. You know, that hard knot, it's just cut. It dissolves. And so, um, therefore, we have the verse, 5.18.12, yes, yes, di bhaktir bhagavati akinshana sarvaraganas tatra samasate sura harava bhaktasya kuto mahadguna manorate nasati davato vihi, that those who are practicing devotional service, they feel... Um, and notice that they're naturally developing these good qualities. They're all coming from Krishna. And our association with him through the holy name, through seeing his deity form, through taking prasadam and so forth, and reading Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam. I think that was a really long-winded answer to some point somebody made somewhere. Anger. Okay, I'll read one more. And that's it. No more. I know you're demanding more, but I can't do it. Okay. The next one is... Okay, yes. Satyasar, how interesting to leave on this note. This is a very interesting one, isn't it? A devotee always remembers that he is the eternal servant of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is omniscient, the reservoir of all pleasure and the ultimate enjoyer of all activities. By avoiding activities outside devotional service, a devotee remains fixed in the truth 
does not uselessly waste time and thus becomes bold, powerful, and steady. Bold, powerful, and steady. It's good, right? I always feel like when I read chapter 16 of the Bhagavad Gita and I hear the, the qualities of the, of the devas, the saints, or the, those who are full of light, that um, it's very satisfying. In fact, I read it to a corporate audience recently and uh, they said, can we hear that again? It, you know, just to hear them all lined up, the qualities of a saintly person, it uh, piques one's interest, piques one's interest that, that yes, maybe uh, I'd like to be like that. Until we hear about it, some people never hear about these things, and they uh, admire people who set bad examples and so forth. Okay, let's just see if there's any last question. Yes, or comment. point on does not uselessly waste time um, past month I was, I've been associating it with Radhe Shyam Prabhu in Pune and he's been in Pune and I've been going with him to different programs and I've seen being with him he doesn't waste a moment of his time Cent percent of it is used in the service of the Lord and every interaction that he has it's never frivolous it's always directed in the mood of service and to see that is so inspiring, it literally uplifts the heart. You don't, you don't know why it's uplifting, you just, you just think this person's selflessly giving themselves at every, at every single moment for a higher cause. And there's no question of their own you know, personal jubilation. But by doing that, that person becomes the most jubilant. Yeah. So important to have association of advanced devotees. As, in fact, it's the quickest uh, in any discipline that one's endeavoring to perfect, and that is to associate with those who are already accomplished. Uh, it's it's uh, like, for lack of a better term, it's like a download. You're, you're with the person and uh, observing them, and if and if, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, if you serve them and have relevant questions for them. And you're in an open mood, like you're humble. Not like you're humble, you are humble towards them. Then there's a way in which uh, what the good qualities that they have will, uh, through osmosis, come into your own heart. Voltaire once said that when you appreciate the good qualities in others, they become yours. The opposite is if, if you're envious of people, then you put up a force field so that their good qualities can never enter into you. Which is a shame. And the point about not wasting time is actually mentioned by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to Sanatana Goswami. He gave the nine symptoms of bhava. Bhava means a very advanced stage where the heart begins to soften and melt and there's a ray from the spiritual world. Uh, Lord Chaitanya's words, not mine, that enlivens the heart and through which one starts to experience the 
the pastimes of the Lord in the spiritual world. And so Krishna, uh, or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, describes to Sanatana Goswami the nine symptoms of bhava. The first one is shantir, which means forgiveness. Avyartakalatvam is the second one, which means that uh, one is um, never, uh, uh, never waste time. Avyartakalatvam, so you can check it in yourself to see what percentage of time you would like to waste in a day. And then by that calculation, you can then understand how advanced you are. Is that an exciting prospect? Make a little chart? A little pie chart? The cell phone will help you too, because they tell you, here's how much of your life you wasted last week. <laughs> 